There's lots of people have been asking and been asking me, when are we getting back to normal again? You know, when, when are we going to get back to normal? I hear people talking about, man, I just missed the good old days. You know, when I think about the good old days. Uh, it used to be like, you know, they, they'd be talking about leave it to Beaver and Little House on the Prairie. Now they're talking about like February, you know, the good old days when life was like, when it was normal. Uh, and, and there's this, this angst on the inside of many, you know, my boys, um, they they ha- uh, they have this affinity for for screen time for playing video games. They they love it. They'd probably play all day if they could. Uh, and yesterday they just had this <clears throat> this extra desire just to 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 have screen time. They have a limited amount of time, and so they were like, "Man, we we just want it. We just want it." They they are begging and bugging, and and Beth finally just got to the spot. She's like, "I just wish I could go back to the olden days when we didn't have screens." And uh, it shouldn't quite sound like that, but. But uh, that, that idea of, can we go back to the olden days? I wish I was back in the olden days. You know, I think there's that same, maybe that eruption hasn't happened for you, but that feeling on the inside of like, man, I just, this, I, this I don't love. I want to go back to, to normal. When can we go back to normal? And my question this morning is this, what if normal, what we called normal, wasn't actually where we were really supposed to be in the first place. What if it isn't what we actually really wanted in the first place? Think of this for for a minute. Some of you might actually be thinking, you know, (laughs) I don't think I do want to go back to normal. I, I don't think I ever want to go back to my old job. I've discovered something about me or discovered something about, about um, the, the desires that I have in my heart that I'm going to do something different. I'm not going to go back. Some of you as bosses have said, you know what? There's people I'm not going to invite back to work. We, we, things have so changed and, and the, the way things work, that normal isn't, isn't the way our business is going to be run anymore. For some of you, you've spent more time with family, sat around the dinner table together, and you're like, wow, this is what eating together as a family feels like, looks like, sounds like. I think I kind of like this. And, and I, I'm like, I don't want to go back to normal where it was like soccer practice Monday, you know, this on Tuesday, this on Wednesday, dance on Thursday, whatever it was. And we, we just never had time together. I don't want to go back to that normal. For some of you, you think about school in September, and you're like, Oh my goodness, you know, like kids are going to be in classes for what, which days of the week and how many hours and who's wearing masks and how are they going to do that? And you're like, you know, you're considering the M word, homeschool. No, just kidding. You're the H word, you know, homeschool. You're thinking, man, like <laughs> I never thought, but, but I don't know that I want to go back to a, a normal uh, that, that, that we had before. For some of you, you know, you were really close with your work friends. And now as you're sitting here, you're like, oh yeah, work friends. I, I haven't talked to or thought about them in three whole months. I, I thought we were close. And yet, as a result, you know, you've, you've left some of those shallower relationships and actually have made some real deep, meaningful, lasting, genuine re- friendships as a result. And you're like, you know what? I don't think I want to go back to, to that kind of normal where everything was surface. I, I, I think I want to be in the relationships that I'm in. You know, in some ways, life was a little simpler. Seems a little simpler now. There's certain things that are, you know, uh, uh, easier to, to do in spite of the difficulties around us. You know, as I was thinking about back to normal, I thought about it in the context of church, you know, thinking about us and when are we going to get back to normal? Because people are asking, you know, maybe you've been asking, maybe you're wondering, hopefully today we'll give you some answers as to when we're going to get back to normal. Uh, you know, there was a guy texting me this week. He's like, any idea when church is starting? 
I'm like, well, church has never really ended, but I, I know what you're getting at. You know, when are we, when are we going to get back in the building? And I, I just texted him back, well, hey, probably not, probably after Labor Day. He's like, when's Labor Day? I'm like, September. He's like, wowza. You know, maybe I should be going back to my old church. <laughs> you know, going back to where, was, where there's a normal church, where there's one that's open on Sundays. And, uh, you know, that, that feeling of I want to get back to normal. And I get that. I get that. You know, they want to go back to the good old church. You know, the way you remember it, back to normal. But my question this morning that I think we need to wrestle with is, what if normal, what if normal church wasn't where we were really meant to be in the first place? What if that normal that we just experienced just a few months ago wasn't actually the normal that we should have been pursuing? And what if we don't actually have to wait until we can get back to normal? What if uh, the back to normal church uh, is something that we could attain right now? I wonder if we should be considering something different when we think about the word normal. Uh, one of the reasons I've been reading through the book of Acts, it's where uh, the, my reading through the New Testament plan has taken me. That's where I'm at right now. And uh, Acts is a, is a document that was written by a man named Luke. It was written uh, uh, shortly after the, the time where Jesus died and rose from the dead. It, he, he documents the, the beginning of the church, how the church first started. And they weren't called the church at that point. They were called the followers of the way. When they say the followers of the way, they weren't even called Christians at, at, at the very beginning. They were, they were followers of the way. And we're like, well, you know, what does that mean? Uh, and maybe they describe themselves as the followers of a way of life or a way of living, or maybe even more clearly, they were followers of the way, the truth, and the life. They were followers of a person, a person named Jesus who had radically changed their lives and, and was continuing to do so. You know, when I read through Acts, there's not a lot written about their services. There's definitely nothing written about their buildings. There was just, there was just um, not about the, the, the what and the how, but a lot about the who and the why. When they wrote about the church, it was about the who, the people, and why they were doing what they were doing, not, not, the, not the what's in the hows of, uh, or the locations. There's a man named Matthew. Matthew was one of Jesus' followers. He was there. He saw. He was an eyewitness. He writes about a conversation that Jesus had with, with his disciples in a place called Caesarea Philippi, and he's talking to Peter, and he says to Peter, he says, now I say in Matthew 16, 18, he says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And he says, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. He's like, Peter, I'm going to do something amazing. I'm going to build this thing called the church and it's going to be powerful. The gates of hell won't stand against it. You know, what's interesting in this, is, in this um, verse is that the author, Matthew, as he's writing, he's, this is being written in, in Greek. He wants the Greek people, the Greek readers or whoever it is to understand something. He's like, hey, uh, Jesus is talking to Peter. And then he puts in this thing, which means rock. He says, I want you to know that the word Peter means rock. It's the same as for us today as we'd say, you know, hey, the, the name Cliff can mean a couple things like, hey, there's a picture of Cliff on a cliff. You know, this is Peter, the rock. And he, Jesus is talking about a rock and he wants this clarified. I think that's kind of neat. However, I think as, as, um, this was translated into different languages. So the Greeks, the, you know, those readers, they got a chance to understand what, what uh, Matthew was trying to explain. But the, as this was translated into other languages over time, there's something else that got lost. And I think there's something else that should have been um, clearly defined. And so if that verse was written today, I think if Matthew was writing it today, he may have written it more like this. He says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church, which means gathering and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. 
I mean, when you last heard the word church, did, you, did the word gathering come to mind or was it something else? And where did we get the word church when, when it was, uh, the word was actually this word called ecclesia? Where, where did we get the word church? Well, I, we, we talk about the Dutch people a lot here. Well, we actually have to blame you it, and me, the Dutch people and, well, not all of the Dutch people, but the Dutch people that translated this and the Germans as well. You both had a hand in it. And so uh, if you go back in our history, when they translated the Bible into these two languages, they got to these verses and they said, Jesus will build his church. And they're like, well, he's building something. And so they, they translated the words into this. They translated it into Dutch. It was kerk. Want to say that together with me? Let's say kerk. It's kind of fun, eh? And then in German, it's kerke. Okay, no more of that. You're speaking moistly. I know it. So we're just going to stop with the pronunciations. But the idea behind these is those two words both mean the, the house of the Lord or the building of the Lord, which makes sense. Jesus was saying, this is, this is what I'm building. So the Lord is building and, and the building of the Lord. And shortly after that, that all of a sudden came to, the, to be understood as a building, a physical location where services were held. It became the house of the Lord. You know, I think the people there who knew what Jesus actually meant would have been wishing for the good old days saying, wait a second, it was never about a building. How did, we, how did this become a bil- about a building and services and, and a place that we go to? Those who knew would have realized it was just simply and always will be and always has been about the gathering, but that got lost in translation. You know, Luke, Luke actually describes what the gathering, what the church looked like. Uh, he encapsulates what the good old days looked like in, in actually in one verse. We're gonna look at just one verse this morning. Uh, as we, as we uh, discover what the good old days, what normal looked like. And maybe that idea of, of getting back to normal has a different spin for us this morning. You know, it was a simpler time. Uh, and as you look at in, in Acts chapter two, verse 42, it just says this, the, the church had just started and it said this, all the believers, so all the Jesus followers, all the followers of the way, they would say, they devoted themselves. And rather than just speed through the verse, I think we need to pause and just, ask ourselves this question. If all of the Jesus followers then devoted themselves to something, what about the Jesus followers today? Are we devoting ourselves to something? And we ask the question, well, I'm not sure how to answer that. Uh, the, the thing I think we got to look at is this word devoted. Devoted means that they gave steadfast attention to this, these things. They persevered in these things. It says they persevere and not faint. They're like, we're gonna do this and we're not gonna give up. Everything else might change. Everything else might fall to the wayside, but this, these things I, I'm devoted to, they will not change. They will, whatever, come hell or high water, these things will not ever change. Not perse- persecution won't change it. Prison won't change it. And we find as we read through scripture, these things didn't change it. Sunny days didn't change it. Rainy days didn't change it. You know, the uh, busyness didn't change it. Boredom didn't change it. The Antonine plague, which wiped out most of uh, the Roman empire, didn't change this. And I wonder, should COVID be allowed to change this? These, these people were, were, were um, devoted to these things. And that's the question I've been asking myself as a Jesus follower, am I? devoted to these things. Well, what's the things? You're like, I, I, and maybe this morning, maybe with, uh, along with me, would you just go through this mental checklist of the things that they were devoted for? And would you compare your Christianity, your Jesus following to what normal looked like? Let's take a look, Acts 2.42b. It says, all the believers, they devoted themselves. They were dedicated wholeheartedly to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching at that point, it was the 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 
the 12 disciples of Jesus and a few others that were teaching the word and preaching the gospel. It says teaching the scriptures and, and preaching the good news. Um, what were they saying? That the God of the Hebrew scriptures, the God of the Old Testament had actually done something for the whole world. It wasn't just the God of Israel anymore. He had done something for the whole world. And they would say, they would tell people like we can today, man, you can be reconciled to God through relationship with Jesus. They were saying, we don't need sacrifices of animals anymore to, to be right in right standing with God. He's done something in, different than every other religion. You know, it's no longer us trying to get to God and do the right things. God came to us. He sent himself to us. He laid his life down for us. There's forgiveness of sin and guilt and shame for us. It's really real. There's freedom for us. It's really real. And people would say, well, where's your proof? And like, we have proof. And man, do we have proof. There was a man who died. He was dead for three days. We saw him. And then three days later, we saw him alive. You know, in our North American culture, we've heard the story of Jesus rose from the dead so many times that maybe we forget the power of that thought. He rose from the dead. And he was talking with a firefighter and he was talking about, you know, doing CPR and, and uh, at, at a place where, where it's, the man had um, passed away and, and whether it was using a defibrillator, as I've been instructed this morning, somehow he, they said, we brought him back. He was dead, but we brought him back. And so we've seen dead raised to life here in our medical and our medical facilities, but never before and never again has someone raised themselves from the dead after three days being dead. That just has never happened. And he says, you know what? We know there's forgiveness and we know there's freedom and we know there's hope for you. And we know there's help simply because a man who rose from the dead told us, man, you can take that. You can take that as, as, as truth when, when that, when that proof is there. And it says, these guys, they, they devoted themselves, the, the rest of the people, the Jesus followers devoted themselves to hearing this truth. So we're going to keep hearing that. And not just hearing, but doing it as well, doing what it says, because it starts with hearing. And so my question, I guess, for us is, as Jesus followers, has there been anything that's distracted you or, or, or distanced you from hearing his word? Maybe for you, it's like, you know, yeah, to be honest, I, I'm on the podcast or I'm, on, I'm watching on YouTube today, but I, I haven't watched in a, <laughs> in a long time. You know, has anything stopped you from, from allowing uh, uh, yourself to, to study the word on, on your own? Maybe for you, you're like, yeah, you know, like when I was part of the Bible study and doing the precept study, I was in it every day, but my precept study group's not happening right now and it, you've drifted away. And I, I know the feeling because even though I'm a pastor and you think, oh, that, that's something. That's why I always say, you know, don't refer to me by, by a title because we're just regular people and, and I can struggle with that as well. This week, as I was out in my yard, I saw these cracks in the ground because we haven't had rain in a while. Man, there's like cracks you could lose a child in. And, and, and I think about that, that dry, cracked, you know, uh, longing. And I, and I think sometimes we might find ourselves there in, in, the, in our spirit, in our soul. You know, as we, as we uh, don't allow the time in his word, this is what happens on the inside of us. I love how Zach was saying at the beginning too, make sure you take time for that, devoted to that, because it's like water, it says. It's like, it's not just a book or words on a page. It's living and powerful. And it, it reaches down into here and it reveals stuff, but it nourishes. And it's like, it's, it's like water for the soul. This morning, maybe you're here and you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm feeling dry and cracked inside. Man, would you open your heart to the water of his word? that it would come in and just bring the life that it's designed to bring. But devotion finds a way. 
devotion finds a way, even when there's excuses, devotion finds a way to do it. James, the brother of Jesus said, it's not just about hearing the word, but it's actually about doing it as well. You know, I talked to a guy this week who was, who was just saying to me, Mark, he's like, man, I'm so challenged by what Jesus said. And he says, I realize that I, yeah, I've said I'm a Jesus follower, but I'm not actually following. He's like, I just really want to follow. And he says, I have this situation in my life right now that I know I need to change. I know I need to do something in order to follow Jesus. And he says, you know what? It's going to be really, really difficult, but I want to follow him because it matters. And I was like, man, I'm inspired by you because that's what Jesus following looks like, doing what he says. And I met another guy this week, you know, he was homeless and he ended up in my, at my place. And through some of the conversations we had, he said, you know, I was at church and, and I, at a church, he says, I heard about, you know, you got to love each other. You got to bear one of those burdens. He said, I heard about all that, heard about all that, but when I needed it, they didn't do it. And, you know, that was his perspective. And I'm not saying, Hey, you know, the church has got it wrong or this church has got it wrong or any of that stuff. I'm just saying that when in the perspective of others who are watching, it matters. It matters that we're doing what it says. We're doing what he says. And you know, devotion, devotion finds a way to hear and to do. Devotion finds a way to pour in and to live out. And so the question I ask myself, am I devoted? Am I devoted that nothing's going nothing's to take me away from this? How about you? You know, it moves on to say in Acts 2.42, it says all the believers, they devoted themselves. They were like, we're on this to the apostles teaching and to fellowship. To that fellowship's not a word we use unless you're like a Lord of the Rings person. But, you know, we don't really use that uh, thing. Hey, uh, hey, buddy, you want to come over for some sweet fellowship? No, we, don't, we just don't do that. We're like, come on over for a campfire or whatever. But that idea of fellowship was this close connection with. Not just, you know, that work around the water cooler. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Okay, see you tomorrow. It was like, no, like I, this idea of knowing one another. You know, there's a hashtag out there, better together, but that's not just a cool hashtag. That's an amazing idea. You know, as we look at the next couple of verses, if you want to, you can check it out in Acts 2. It talks about how they had the, these, they would gather together as the, the church, the gathering in one place. They would do that, but it says they also gathered in homes. From home to home, they would do that often. This idea of house parties that we've been talking about um, is, is, not, is not even our idea. It's not even a new idea. It's something that, they've, that the church, that was normal for them back in the day. Have some people over, have intentional conversation, uh, be, be about his teaching, be about these things. You know, the New Testament, the New Testament's full of these imperatives uh, around this idea of one another. And for one another, you know, if you, as you look through, there's a whole bunch of them. You know, the, the, the New Testament writers and Jesus would say things like this, love one another, serve one another, accept one another, tolerate one another, don't grumble about one another, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens, confess your sins to one another, yield to one another, comfort one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, be hospitable, hospitable to one another, and 24 more because we don't have time. There's all of these things, and you can find them on the screen of these things of to do one another. This, this idea of being one another. But how do you live out one another when you don't know one another? How do you do these things? How can you actually do, you know, bear a burden if you don't know there is one? How do you forgive a wrong if you don't know a wrong has been committed? How do you meet a need if you don't know there's a need? And, and how do you pray, you know, to pray for one another? Uh, my kids have this, this prayer app that's inspired them to pray for different people around the world. And the other night, you know, I was listening to them pray and, and my son's just like, Lord, I pray for, I just pray for all the people in Uzbekistan. Amen. Right? <laughs> like, uh, 
the, 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 the prayers like that, it's like, that's something that sometimes as adults, we become sort of relegated to. Well, I just, I just pray for everyone. You know, I just pray for everyone in Kingsway Church. I just pray for everyone watching online. I just, I just pray for, for everyone. But we don't know what the everyone is actually going through. And the goal of one another wasn't that we would know what everyone is going through, but that we would know what one other person is going through and that we would bear one another's burdens because that's what one another is, one plus another. You know, the idea of those two things, knowing each other, and says they, they were devoted. They were devoted to this being together. And maybe you're like, you know what? That's not comfortable. I, I agree. It's not always comfortable. You know, for many, normal for us looked like, let's make our comfort zone the best it can be. That was our old normal, right? Like the lazy boy and, you know, the more money, the more stuff, AC in the car, newer car, more leather, smoother ride, everything about comfort in our lives. But you know what? When we live in the comfort zone, do you realize that's not where you grow? That's not where you spiritually grow for sure. Isn't it true? Isn't it true that that the times where we seem to grow the most spiritually from the inside is when we're in the, the, the greatest trials of our lives? When we're in uncomfortable situations? You know, we tend to grow most in the uncomfortable times. Like, you know, when, when there's difficulty, isn't it true that you find, maybe you find yourself, you prayed more? Man, when you're going through something tough, it's like, man, I'm reaching out to God more. When there's uncertainty, it's like, God, show me your hope and, and direction. It's like this drawing to him. It's those places we grow is when things aren't comfortable. So, you know, the, the, the normal, I wonder if the normal that we should be seeking to get back to, if, if that's actually possible right now, even though we're not allowed to meet in this building. And so as a church, we're not, you know, as Kings, we're not suggesting house parties where, you know, you're watching with, with some other people and having conversations together. We're not suggesting that because we don't have other options. We do have other options. The thing right now is that we think that this is the best way for people to really grow. The best way for the church to really grow would be in these, uh, in these connection opportunities we want to call house parties. You know, we hope to have a way for you to, to be able to connect with some in your area so that you'll have a chance to say, yes, I want to host one. And hey, there's somebody in my area so that we can find ways to connect people. But in the meantime, in the meantime, our challenge is that you would just do and be one another, that you'd find a way. So for instance, you know, one plus another is like, hey, if you're one, why don't you invite one other friend next weekend? You know, maybe if you're one couple, why don't you invite one other couple next weekend? And if you're one family, why don't you invite one other family to join you next weekend in a house party? And I mean, if, you, if you're in the stones, you can only invite one other couple because we're not asking you to break the law and go above 10 people or not social distance. You can watch together and be together and have conversations without touching each other. The, the idea is that we would say, we're not gonna allow anything to, to, to keep us from being the church, from being together. And so maybe house parties, they don't feel comfortable for you. Let me ask you this. What's the worst that could, could happen? It's just a couple of hours where someone's at your house. You know, you might, you might have to learn some of the things like the being patient with one another or being kind to one another or tolerating one another. But those are the things that he's called us to. You know, you might just find though that the opposite is true, that you actually find some of the greatest, deepest, meaningful relationships and genuine friendships that you've maybe never experienced before. You might actually experience what Jesus called the church, the gathering you know, the other thing is this might be the thing that actually helps you stay and or get devoted. Maybe you're like, man, I'm having a hard time studying the word. I'm having a hard time with this. I, I saw with somebody a couple of weeks ago and asked them, hey, so what'd you think of the service on the weekend? They're like, oh, to be honest, I hadn't watched them. I haven't watched in a couple of weeks because, you know, I really need other people around me to help motivate me to do these things. 
And I was like, that's so, so true. And that's not new. The writer to Hebrews wrote this in Hebrews 10, 24 and said, let's think of ways to motivate one another to love and good works. And our hope is that these house parties would help do that very thing. Help people saying, okay, you know what? Uh, Maybe I don't want to roll out of bed, but I got to be there because I want to be connected to this group of people as we stay motivated, devoted to teaching, devoted to fellowship. You know, maybe you're watching, you're like, you know what? (laughs) That's fine, Mark, but I don't need it. I'm faithful. I'm on there every week. I'm studying the word every week. I'm I'm good. Uh, My my challenge for you this morning then is this, that, that I, I, it's awesome that it's good for you, but maybe there's others around you that actually need you and they need that, that, that they, they need what you bring to the table as a result. Maybe you're the one who's going to be the catalyst in helping someone else in their walk with Christ. Because, you know, to be honest, there's, uh, there's reasons why people can't be a part of these online things because for some, they don't have reliable internet. For others, they don't have enough internet to be able to watch. It would use up all their internet and they just, they just need somewhere to go where they can watch and be a part of it. You could be their answer. You know, there's others who don't know Jesus yet. And by you inviting a friend over, a neighbor over and saying, hey, you know what? We do this thing on Sunday mornings. We'd love for you to join us. Even if we, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll watch only as long as you want to watch. And maybe all they get to see is Zach for five minutes. But man, it could be the catalyst that leads them into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. So our thoughts of, hey, I don't need that. Man, I, I, are we devoted? Devoted, devoted finds a way finds a way to fellowship with one another. You know, Kerry Newhoff is a guy who writes some leadership stuff. He wrote something to this effect that for years we've been preaching as a church. We got to get outside the four walls. We got to get outside the four walls. We got to get outside the four walls. And now COVID did that. And all we're saying is, can't wait to get back in. Can't wait to get back in. Can't wait to get back in. We don't have to get back in to be devoted to fellowship. And our encouragement and challenge is this. So that's a question. Am I devoted? Am I devoted to his word? Am I devoted to fellowship? And the final two things, spent most of the time on those because I feel those are the tougher ones. But the, these, are the, these next two things are the natural things that come along with it. Acts 2.42, all the believers devote themselves to apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. They devoted themselves to eating together. Why does that matter? And we're not saying you have to have full meals and everything, but it's something about when people eat, they talk. You know, around the dinner table. I just love that sitting around our table when we eat together uh, to hear the, my kids share their stories of the day or the joke of the day or whatever, whatever it may be. And maybe you've discovered that as well. Um, we have this um, book club that meets at our house sometimes and uh, my wife's friends, they came over a couple of weeks ago. Some of you are watching and, uh, you know, was, they, they bring great snacks. Like, it's like, you know, who wants to come around and talk about a book? But they do, and they, they have these great snacks. And as we, you know, myself and my kids, we just like graze along the, the, the snacks. And then we, we're relegated to the basement where we spend the rest of the evening. But we've got great snacks. And, but up there, I hear the great snacks lead to great conversations. And I hear tons of laughter up there. And it's almost like a, almost makes me want to read books just so I could be a part of a book club. I'm not quite there yet, but it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter what it's about. But it's just this thing where they have a chance to, to talk and it's crazy. Like midnight comes around and I'm like, are they going to go home? And, and then I hear somebody say, oh, I know it's midnight, but there's still snacks. And then they chat again. Finally, by the grace of God, the snacks ran out at 2 a.m. and they found their way home. Uh, the, but it's this idea of it doesn't matter what they're talking about. There's this, this camaraderie that comes as a result, sitting around campfire with guys. I mean, we talk about cows and mulch and whatever, until, but when the snacks are gone, see ya. You know, but they, 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 they did this thing with meals together, but they also had this very intentional meal together. The intentional, a Jesus-inspired meal. This physical reminder of why they were gathering in the first place. 
saying, you know what, the reason we're devoted to these house parties, devoted to meeting together and the teaching is because of what, what he did for us. His body broken for us so we could be whole. His blood shed for us so we could be free, so we could be forgiven, so we could be free to love others. You know, um, the reality is that we probably aren't going to be in our building before Labor Day. So we've got a summer, a summer of opportunity. You know, and our hope is that over the next couple weeks that we're going to have a chance to do communion together. But you don't actually have to wait for us. Maybe next week you just decide, man, I'm getting grape juice or apple juice or pear juice or Diet Coke or whatever you want. Whatever, you, whatever it is, it's going to be your intentional drink and, and, and you know, some, some bread or some crackers or some goldfish, whatever it is. And sitting down and saying, you know what, we're going to spend some time just reminding ourselves of why we're doing what we're doing. Devotion finds a way to celebrate together. The question is, am I devoted? And then finally, you know, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. You know, when we hear the word prayer, sometimes we think a position or a posture, but it's not. It's a conversation. It's just an intentional conversation where I'm talking to God and listening to God, talking with God. You know, I'm asking God things and, and uh, thanking God for different things. And it involves others. You know, talking to God about others. Or maybe I'm talking to God with others. And those aren't always comfortable. You know, prayer is one of those things that may not be comfortable, but man, it it because it, it reveals what's really going on in your heart. But I think for some, it's like, I can't pray around other people because it reveals that there's nothing going on in your heart. And our hope together is that as we get into these uncomfortable times, maybe, they might feel a little uncomfortable. You'll go, man, I'm so grateful for those times because it's where I grew the most. Because it's not just that it can be uncomfortable, it can be powerful. James, the brother of Jesus said this, confess your sins to each other. <laughs> oh, that's tough. We're not saying, hey, on week one, do that. But you know what? Once you build a relationship with somebody that's genuine over a number of weeks, trust is there. You're like, you know what? Okay, you know what I've said every week? This has been my prayer request. This has been my prayer request. But to be honest, here's what I'm really going through. Man, what an opportunity. What an opportunity. He says, pray for each other so you might be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person makes great power available, produces wonderful results. You know, that idea of prayer and being intentional. And maybe, you know, after this thing at your house party today, you'll actually maybe take some time to do it again. And maybe you simply say, hey, you know, here's what I'm thankful for today. Or, you know what, here's what I'm going through. Could you, could you just pray with me? Or maybe you're saying, hey, here's who's on my heart. And I think about people today. You don't have to close your eyes, fold your hands. I'm thinking about Glenn today. Glenn and Michelle have gone through a really, really difficult time in the last couple of weeks. You guys have been on my heart. I've been talking to the Lord about you and even right now, believing that his presence is going to carry you today through this moment. You know, just simple things like that, where it's just the chance to be genuine, us, real people with a real God, really sharing with him, knowing that he really cares for us. And it could be incredible. Final thought this morning. What if that was the normal we should be trying to get back to? What if that's the normal that we are actually missing? Devoted to his word, devoted to one another in fellowship, devoted to eating together, reminding ourselves by the Lord's table what we're doing and why we're doing it and who we're doing it for and who we're doing it with and just committed to prayer, to praying for one another. I've had to ask myself that question. Can I tick those boxes? Am I devoted? Then nothing's going to stop me from, from doing those things. And so my question is to you, what's stopping you? Would you be willing to join us on this experiment this summer? 
and just take part in a house party, whether that's inviting one friend over or just agreeing to go somewhere. Invite people, invite a friend, invite people that have the same comfort levels as you regarding COVID or the ones that are going to, you know, and wherever you end up, be respectful of the, the home that you're in and, and, uh, and the time to leave. And, but just to be together, to be the church, because we're not likely back in our building this summer. So we have a choice, each of us. Are we going to choose to, uh, to, to wait? <laughs> wait until normal comes back? Or are we going to choose to be normal and go back to what normal really was? And I, I think it could be, could be something incredible that this could be the year. I know people have staying over and over. I can't wait for 2020 to be done. I just can't wait for it to be over. I had enough of 2020. But I think some of us may look back and go, you know what? This was the best year of my life. Why? Because it's finally the time where I got back to normal. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it does mess with us sometimes. But thank you that it instructs us that's living, powerful, it's drawing on us. And Lord, I just pray for the people who right now have your, just a sense of your spirit tugging on the inside of them. They, they hear your voice. Lord, I pray that you give them wisdom and courage in how to follow that out this morning. To not just hear, but to do. Because you're desiring to do something in them and through them. And through this church in your world that you desire to reach. God, I, I pray that you continue to birth that in our hearts. That we would be on mission with you because your mission is amazing and your gift of love is amazing and your freedom is amazing. For those watching who don't know you, Lord, I pray that this morning for them especially, that as they just sense your presence, that they would reach out and begin to trust you. Uh, Lord, thank you for this thing called the church or whatever you call it. But thank you for it, the bringing together of people to grow as your family and your body. Lord, uh, we desire to do that to the best of our ability and that you might receive glory. In your name I pray, amen.